everyone welcome back to note to self episode five today we have a conversation with kimon cheng who is a photographer and has also been one of my closest friends for the last 12 years we're going to talk about acquisition for a little bit uh, we're going to talk about running a business as a freelancer finding clients managing clients client relations um, and also that sometimes you have to work in your underwear to be productive and not eat food i hope you guys enjoy it thank you for listening All right. Welcome, Kimon, to the Note to Self podcast. Hello. Hello. Um, we are here today to talk about freelancing in the uh, creative entrepreneurship sector of mm -hmm. world finance business. Uh, I don't do finance <laughs> or business. Or, or really. business. Okay. But you're a freelancer. You're a I photographer. Do, I, yeah, I do world. Mm -hmm. do world. No, yeah, I'm a photographer. Uh, been that been a photographer for quite a while already. And cool. uh, yeah, as a freelancer, so I could talk about that. Nice. Well, that's what we're uh, that's what we're here to talk about because I have also been freelancing, and uh, in my experience, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> freelancing uh, is the thing that I that I like the least, I think, in business. Right. And that's because of one thing in particular. Uh huh. And that's acquisition. Right. And I have it easy because software developers have it easy when mm -hmm. it comes to acquisition. Mm -hmm. Everyone needs software developers, so we're, we're easily hired. Yeah, fair enough. That cannot be the same for photographers. Mm, no, not necessarily. Uh, in terms of photography, it's a very competitive market, I'd say. And the supply of photographers is always outstripping the demand. Uh, so it's a bit of a rougher job, I'd say. Um but, you know, over the years, you kind of manage after a while. Right, get used to it? Uh, that too. I mean, acquisition in general is, uh, at least I don't, like you already said that you don't mm. necessarily like it. And it's never a lot of fun. Uh, but there are ways to make it less of a hassle in terms of photography, at least. Right. Uh, there have definitely been ways that I've managed to make it uh, less work over time. Okay. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll speak from my point of view on acquisition uh -huh. or how I've always done acquisition, which is back in the days when, we, when I had a, uh, an agency, web development agency mm -hmm. with Alexander. Uh, at some point, we didn't know how to do acquisition. No one had ever done acquisition. Right. No one had ever done sales. We were developers and designers. Like We had no idea what mm -hmm. we were doing. So we were literally calling people, cold calling people, saying, hey, look, your website sucks. <laughs> Would you like a better one? But we sucked at it, right? So there was, there was, I called this law office. So we were doing lawyers. That, okay. that, that was the target. Oh, I remember. Yeah, that was our target audience at that point because in our brilliant minds, lawyers had a lot of money. money. Uh huh. So they needed good websites. They had money to spend on good right. websites. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, okay. and, and normally local. So you, uh -huh. I think people look for lawyers in a certain city often, yeah. especially when you look for a cheaper lawyer. Mm hmm. Did that so, work? No. Um, <laughs> but it's not, I, I think it might not have been the strategy as much as our inexperience. Right. Because I was doing the cold calling for part of that. And I'll tell you something. Yeah. I'm terrible at cold calling. <laughs> I would call and I would race through my script. And I'd like, 
I, like a half script, right? I sort of written down right. like a shitty website, which is like a better one. I know your nephew can do it, but we can do it have, better and we're cheap and yada, yada, yada. Have you ever worked out a strategy for the cold calling or did you always just go into it? Well, um, we had sort of, or I had sort of a strategy. Um, not, it wasn't tested. That was the thing. I wasn't, right. I wasn't okay. so aware of, of testing your strategies mm-hmm. and then adjusting them. So I just had sort of this idea of like, well, I'll, I'll call. And I'll say, you know, I'm Stefan from Things Implied. Uh-huh. Um, we've looked at your website, and we think you could be doing much better. Right. We had no statistics to prove this, by the way. We wouldn't, <laughs> we wouldn't get, like, page views. We wouldn't get, like, popularity on Google Search. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we'd done no research. Right, I would just call and right. say, look, I, we think you can do better. Uh, we make really nice websites. You know, go to our website to, to, to <laughs> see which ones we've ever made. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, and then they would inevitably say, go fuck yourself, and we'd leave. Right. That's mostly because I was so nervous on the phone that I would okay. call them, and I'd go, hi, this is David from Things Applied. I've looked at your website, and it's really bad. I think we can do better. We're not very expensive. So I'd like, shoot through my script Jeez. in eight seconds, and they'd go, okay, then. Thank you very much. <laughs> in Dubai. <laughs> but you did manage to get some gigs out of it from what I Not remember. from that. Just oh. none from the cold calling. So the from gigs. other things. So okay. in, in, in that industry, and I think that's true more for that uh-huh. industry than, than most, is networking is extremely important. Right. So we got I got my first gig because that was my neighbor, right? At Refresh. We got, uh, oh, yeah. I won't say their name, but yeah. we got that gig because they were my neighbor at that point. Right. And then we got another gig and another gig. And it's all through people that you know and people mm-hmm. that know people. So then we did the university things, which were like we built the apps. Oh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember For that. the universities. That's just because Derek Young, DJ, the the one of our uh, co-founders, mm-hmm. uh, our CTO, um, knew people there. Then we got um, the our neighbors in the office, <laughs> which was actually my pitch. Um, we sold them in a, a whole platform. That was like our mm-hmm. biggest client that we've ever had. So all that was done through networking. Right. But right. the acquisition part itself, we were terrible at. Like oh, we just I, wouldn't get anything out of it. I thought you at least had some people that... Um, oh, no. Oh, okay. Right. Um, I mean, I do get it, uh, especially with, with cold calling. It's probably the worst way to find new clients from yeah. uh, from my experience as well uh it has all kinds of uh, little flaws mostly mostly for one like you know you've probably had it where people call you asking for a contract for internet or gas or whatever oh, i hang up within eight seconds right exactly yeah. so imagine somebody who's super nervous going through oh, yeah. a script in nine seconds telling yeah. you about a new website that yeah. you can design for them also by the way telling them that their website sucks right yeah yeah you start off saying the website sucks and that you could do it better. we start by insulting <laughs> and then like Telling them that we're amazing, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so which we weren't, but that's fine. Like I've, I never, I've never approached my calls with, "Hey, your photography on this and this sucks. Right. I can do it better," uh, because it most likely just doesn't work. I, I think I've proven that it does not work. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, granted, uh, I generally speaking don't do cold calling as much. Right. Uh, every now and then, uh, but I, there's generally if I end up having to call someone. Uh, there's a reason behind it or a little strategy behind it. Um, what I do start with, and I'm not sure if you've ever done that, is like cold emailing. So emailing someone. Yeah, we did that a bit. Right. Yeah, but not you, much. So you really just started with the cold calling instead of... Uh, yeah, we went in hard. Okay. 
Yeah, we. I think our strategy was cold calling and social media presence. Right, right. Which, for that industry, just isn't isn't that functional. Maybe like the cold calling could have worked at some mm-hmm. point if I'd gotten good at it. The social media marketing at that point was just not useful. Right. We I, like I was focused on that more than than was useful. But was that like an? Did you use social media as an ad or was it direct contact? No, no, it was definitely more of an ad. It was ah, just okay. it was just creating an online presence. That that's mostly what we were doing. I I don't think social media is a bad platform to get new clients, but I think the approach is way better with anything by the way. If you mm-hmm. contact them directly instead of like putting ads on Facebook or oh, um, yeah. creating a brand online. Uh the brand online always helps of course because that makes you uh, more recognizable and you're yeah. more easily uh, it's more easy to find you, but yeah. what I've noticed with almost everything is just direct contact is the easiest way. So yeah. if you use social media, like what I sometimes do is I contact people on Instagram with a direct message. Right. Uh, and then you're instantly already like directly contact, uh, like talking to someone. I think on Instagram as a photographer, that must help as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, definitely... have, they click on your profile and they immediately see exactly. what you do. It right. saves them a hassle of going to your website or anything. Because right. uh, one thing that's also true with finding new clients is anything that takes more effort is going to decrease the chance that they're going to... Oh, absolutely. Every click is like 30% of your yeah, people exactly. lost. Yeah. Uh, but it, like, especially with the with the calling, uh, to go back to there, what I usually... My strategy, uh, what I would usually do is start off with an email. Right. Uh, mostly because as a photographer, uh, you kind of have a couple of options. Uh, you, can t- you can talk to direct to business. So where you contact businesses directly about uh, potentially doing photography for them. Uh, another option is going through an agency. So that's sort mm-hmm. of a middleman kind of thing. But what a lot of people, a lot of companies do is they don't have their own team deciding about their own content strategy, right. marketing strategy, or whatever. They have an um, agency doing No, that yeah, they, they, they hire an agency. They say, we have this, this much, this is our budget. This is what we want to do. Uh, you find whatever you need to get this done. Right. And so you contact the agency and they might have an assignment that fits your profile. Okay. Now, um, a lot of agents, the one who, who kind of decides uh, which photographers to hire and everything is part the agency and part the client, of course, because eventually the client needs yeah. to see your work. Uh, but your first contact is always through like an art buyer or art director, uh, those kind of people or creative director sometimes. And those are people who look at your work, kind of decide whether it's good enough or not, mm. and then uh, potentially uh, get you to bid for a client for a certain project. Right. Now, the tough part mostly is that an art director, art buyer, they get a couple hundred emails a week, uh, the most popular ones anyways, uh, and a lot of things through mail. And sometimes they even get called, you know, cold called, like 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 uh, you, yeah. you would do. So that's a lot, and right. um, me being just me, if you if I randomly start calling, it's almost never a good time. So right. you need to ha- have a little bit of a strategy behind it. Sure. Uh, the tough part mostly is that it also involves a lot of luck, you know, yeah. because so many people contact them, you need to be just spotted, and they need to see your work and think, oh yeah, that's good work, and, and mm. you know, uh, potentially remember you. But basically, uh, with art directors and art buyers, a lot of times what I do is I just email them my work, my latest work, and go, this is my latest work. Um, I'm in this and this place around this time. Would it be possible for me to come by your office sometime to show my work? So I don't instantly pitch that I can do photography for them. Right, okay. Uh, I just want to do a face-to-face so I can show my work in person. Because uh, one thing you really notice as well is that 
uh, personal contact drastically increases your chance of oh, getting yeah. a client. Yeah. Yeah. So, getting your foot in the door is important, but after that, exactly. it's much easier. Yeah. So my goal when I uh, contact people through email or phone or whatever is never really to sell a product. It's really just to say, hey, I would love to have a face-to-face -face so I can show you some of my work. So right. show you some of my work, introduce myself. Uh, is this... Be, is this uh... No, this is a truck outside. There right. Uh, so I can show you some of my work and uh, just introduce myself face to face, and then we can see f where we'll go from there. Right. And uh, basically, that that gets your foot in the door a lot more, and you actually get to see whether um, the people you're going to work with are a good fit with you as well, because that's also very important. I've noticed. I've had I've worked with clients that are not a good fit. Right. And then a lot of times nobody ends up being happy, and that's something you really want to avoid. Yeah. No, that's terrible for. Mm -hmm. For freelancer, so uh, on your initial email, you, you don't really pitch a sill, right? You mostly say, "Hey, no. this is what I do, and this is like what I could be yeah, doing yeah, for yeah. you." Yeah, yeah. I basically go, uh, "Hey, my name is Kimon. I'm a I'm a photographer. Mm. Uh, I'm a I'm a portrait and concept conceptual photographer. Um, and basically, I saw your I saw the work you've done before, or if it's a directed client thing, like I've checked your website. I really like your blah 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 blah." And eventually I just say, uh, I would really love to have like an hour of your time just to show you some of my work. Would right. that be possible for you? And then uh, usually I say like sometime next week or something. So it's okay. it's a little bit short, a short notice, but um, it just helps because it, then you don't have the possibility of them forgetting you sort of. Yeah, yeah. You want it to be fresh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So I, show, I add some of my work in the attachments or I link my website. And then uh, I just ask for a face-to-face. -face. And then from that, you know, I take my portfolio with them and then can, they can actually right. see the work. And then in the room, you, you razzle-dazzle them. You show them your A little bit more. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, you can eventually start pitching. I think pitching in person is just so much stronger than pitching on the phone or yeah. by email. Because um, it's, just, it's just that at that point, they actually get to know you a bit, right? right. And they immediately, if they, you always immediately notice if they like you there's a high chance that you're going to get something. Oh, yeah. Now, I'll be honest with like most uh, of the people I talk to, they don't immediately have a job for you. Like, yeah. Especially like, you know, probably with you, with you as well, if you're coding, like nobody just suddenly needs an app made. Um, actually, that's funny <laughs> enough. That's how most of my, my clients now happen is that someone needs an app made right. and yeah. then they go look for a developer. So for me, it's the, the exact opposite. Like mm -hmm. it's nice to be around like to, to have people know my name for when right. they need something made, that's useful. Mm -hmm. But it's much easier to, it's much nicer for me when someone already has an idea, something that they want built, and right. they're just looking for a developer. So your priority is just being found by someone who needs work. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not necessarily putting myself in a position where if someone does need work that, that they'll already know me. It's right. that if someone is looking for it, that they'll they, find me. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So currently for me, that means networking with people in the development industry mm -hmm. because I know a few developers, not too many. And the nice thing is every developer is too busy. Every developer has enough, way yeah. more like clients than than he can handle, so or that they can handle. So they, a bunch of my work now mm -hmm. is coming from other developers. Like ah, I have too much work. Do you want some? Okay, yeah, that that's fair. And that works, but you can't really rely on that because no. if they ever decide, you know what, I'm just going to set up an agency. I'm just going <laughs> to hire juniors, and then suddenly that's gone, right? So that right. whole acquisition platform, that that entire flow is just gone. Mm -hmm. So you do actually need a reputation. Right. Now, unfortunately, my reputation now is not as a freelancer. It's as a CTO. Right. So I get emails from recruiters and headhunters, which is 
awesome that they're looking for a CTO for a company <laughs> and that they spoke to a couple of developers and they all gave my name. Right. That's super That's cool. That's good. Not if you want to freelance no. because none of these people are looking for freelancers. They're only looking for people to hire full-time. Right. So in the freelance kind of world, you're a little bit disconnected. I'm mostly an unknown. Point. Also because I haven't freelanced in years. Like it's literally been years that I last freelanced full-time. Right, right, right. And back then I wasn't that good. Like I learned so much in those last couple of years. So mm-hmm. now as a freelancer, I'm not that well known and I'm not really like, I don't have an agency. It's just me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. So I'm not full service. I'm just development mm-hmm. and that's fine for some clients. But if you're looking like, like that's fine for the clients who are like, Hey, I'm setting up this app. We already have a designer. Right. We need a developer to set it up. It's not fine if you have a smaller business who's like, hey, we want this little platform thingy made. Do you have? Because right. then I need to find another designer. Exactly. I only know one designer that I would actually work with again, and he's expensive. Right. Right. He's like 500 pounds a day. Mm-hmm. It's it's super expensive for these people. Well, for me, I'm like, oh, I set up a small yeah. platform. It takes me three days. I'll charge him a little bit, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's kind of the same difference I have sometimes where... Um, if I work direct to client, a lot of times they also ask, like, you know, do you know a videographer or all that stuff? Right. And while I know some people, they might not necessarily be the best fit for the company. While exactly. if you work with an agency, they'll find another videographer and they'll always have people yeah, exactly. take place. Yeah. So are there also like programming agencies? That oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So uh, normally what you would do is uh, or what you would have is just a web development agency right. or a development yeah. agency. And they have people who specialize in front-end development, specialize in back-end development, and then you have designers. So it's just, oh, okay. you yeah, create yeah, these yeah. small teams, right, who mm-hmm. just do stuff. So, um, I mean, if you want to be active in the freelance world, I can imagine that that would be more of a point you could focus on with acquisition, right? Uh, partially. Um, it's not really the type of client that I was looking for or right. that I would be looking okay. for right now because they're also the most difficult client because you have to go through stages of design and implementation. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they give me a design, I implement that design, they pay for that. And if they want anything changed, they pay for that separately. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. my company or my site is not responsible for the design, right. which means I don't have to make changes that I don't want to do or that is going to take, that are going to take extra time mm-hmm. just because my company maybe messed something up. Right. Okay. And that's the difficulty of, of working as full service. Uh-huh. And also at that point, you might want to like add some marketing stuff to it. You might want to add some social media. You might want to add some SEO. And then you get to this size that I'm not interested in. Okay. Yeah. What yeah, I yeah. like is just someone with a good idea and a bunch of money who's like, hey, we want to build this. Here's the design. Can you set it up in a month? Right. Okay. Yeah. Fair and then enough. I go, okay, yeah, sure. But it's going to cost this much and that's fine. Right. And then you build it and then I just deliver it and I'm uh-huh. done forever. Like right. they, there's, okay, yeah. they there's don't, a, there's a start, there's an end and you just kind of want to go. Exactly. And, do that and there's no you. expectation of continued management or maintenance. It's just, here's the product. And if they ever want anything else, they'll pay me for it okay. or they'll find another developer. So it's very easy to say after that, you know what? I'm done with your project. Find another developer to like continue Fair working enough. on it as long as I deliver quality. Okay, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So in the acquisition, that's also for me, like you can't find those people. You, if someone has an idea and money, it's mm-hmm. very hard to be like, oh, I'm going to Google for you know person who has idea and money and then email them. It's that... very much networking in business and yeah, startups because yeah, yeah. they'll always ask this friend who mm-hmm. has a startup or how, who has worked with developers before. And that's yeah, always exactly. how they find each other, right? That's kind of like what I how I see uh, those meetings I have as well. I don't necessarily see it as acquisition as in um, getting a job immediately because... Most people, if you, especially if you talk direct to business, uh, if you get in talks with them, they are they are most likely not looking for a photographer at that moment. Right. 
um, what you're what I'm doing mostly is like I'm getting my foot through the door. I'm te- I'm letting them get to know me so that as soon as they need a photographer for any kind of work, that my name kind of pops up as the yeah. first thing they a first person they know. Yeah. Um, and I've had it a couple times where a, a person a client uh, that I've met a year before from like a meeting or some talk uh, contacted me a year late like that a year right. later to say ask if i could potentially uh do a shoot right right and it's it's that kind of thing with acquisition that makes it so tough i guess like uh with a lot of work you immediately see the result or the benefit of what you're doing and with acquisition it's very much a um it's a very much work that you have to keep doing and you're getting no reward for it yeah until at a later point where the, the payoff is very late. Yeah it's, yeah. it's so late that the work never seems to pay off. Yeah. And that's kind of the tough part because, uh, as a, as a freelancer, you always have to push yourself to all, to find new work because yeah. the work is not going to find most of the time, at least for you, it's different, but most of the time, yeah, for engineers, it's different now. Yeah. Software engineers. Yeah. The work is not going to find you. You have to no. actively get yourself in places where people, uh, eventually need a photographer or people need whatever need you yeah, yeah exactly your expertise uh and that's kind of what acquisition is for me anyways it's not right. getting a job on the point it's making sure that it's networking yeah when a person needs you they know how to find you right. uh and the benefit from it is mostly that if you uh what i've noticed as well that makes life easier is that as soon as you've done a gig for someone and it's been a good gig, and if you've done the relationships uh, very well, you know, been professional, yeah, delivered yeah, yeah. good work, etc., they are very much more likely to hire you again the next year or maybe two years later. Which means that the more often you do this, uh, un- unless your price bracket suddenly you know changes so yeah, much yeah. that they're they're not in the same price range anymore, uh, you're gonna keep having more more work because people keep coming back for you. Right. Um, this is very tough, of course. It's not something you can rely on, but uh, at the start, at least. Right. But I've, I do notice that over the years, I've been getting more and more repeat customers, which lessens the sure. need for acquisition, I guess, for now. But it's not something you should be complacent in, I guess. Right. Yeah, there's a, um, there's a rule in, in, in business in general mm-hmm. whenever you have clients, and that's that getting a client is so much more expensive than keeping a yeah. client. It is, and it, and that's true because for a client you already have, you don't have to do the acquisition. Yeah, exactly. You can once in a while ask them, like, hey, maybe you need photography for this, or maybe mm-hmm. you need something for that, or yada yada yada. Like, you can pitch new ideas to them, but yeah. it's so much easier to get your foot in the door because you've already been there. You're yeah, already exactly. there. For a new customer, you have to get that first contact, uh-huh. and they have to respond to that. Then you have to get your foot in the door. You have to get that face to face. Then they have to remember you next time they need something. Yeah, exactly. You need to also not be the hundredth person there, <laughs> right? Because if they already have 99 photographers, your chances aren't hugely increased by being no, there, exactly, right? Exactly. So keeping your customers and also, and, and through that, keeping your customer happy is extremely important. And through that, getting new customers is much mm-hmm. easier, especially if you're working with businesses, business people know business people, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. The founder or the CEO of a business will know another 50 mm-hmm. CEOs. And they might need the same type of work because they often work in the same industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they might need the same type of work and they can get you that type of work. Yeah, that's fair. Because if you've done good work, you know, they'll vouch for you and, mm-hmm. and, and you'll get more clients. So I think that's, uh, for me, what I learned in, in working with customers, and I was always bad at this because I always thought my customers were annoying because they were asking <laughs> for stuff. And I fully understand it now because, you know, you just want a good product and you want that to be maintained and you always feel like you're paying more than you should. Right, yeah. 
um, because we're making a profit, so you really are paying more than you know than it's probably worth. Yeah, no, of course. But freelancers are always more expensive than. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just employees. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unless you're Deliveroo. Um, <laughs> wow. That's, yeah, but no, but that's absolutely true. But it's so important to keep your to do customer relations properly. Mm-hmm. To keep them informed, to keep them Definitely. happy, and also to even when you're not working for them at that time, mm-hmm. to stay in touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they can forget about you. Definitely, it's Definitely. not impossible. So you know, sending an email or calling them once in a while, and saying, "Hey, how are you? How's the like? How are you enjoying yeah. the photography or whatever you've built for mm-hmm. them? Do you need anything else? Let me know." Yada yada. So, yada it works. So, do you have a strategy or a thing you do to keep like uh, old customers or old business relationships active? Um, email. Okay. Or if I have the personal information of the owner yeah. or the person that I'm in contact with, like if I have their phone number, send them something personal, just a WhatsApp or something or right. a text yeah, message yeah, or yeah. call them once in a while. Just ask them, hey, you know, how's how's whatever tool I created mm-hmm. for you doing? Are mm-hmm. you enjoying it? Is it still good? Maybe do you need new features? You know, right. let's grab okay, some. Yeah, and especially yeah, yeah. if you have that personal contact with one person in the company mm-hmm. you always work with, just invite them for coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Because one. even if they don't have an idea yet, if you talk to them for a while and you pitch one or two good things, they'll start thinking about it as well. Yeah, and suddenly yeah. you're back there working again, right? Mm-hmm. So that's like just staying in contact is important. And it's my it's the hardest thing for me because I I don't enjoy that platonic, that stat like right. the, the shallow kind of contact where it's just like, Hey man, how are you? It but it doesn't feel to me it doesn't feel like what I enjoy, but it's so important for your business. It is definitely important. I just like how I do it, and I think that's maybe a good way for you as well. If you don't necessarily enjoy doing it, is I kind of just plan a day. Oh yeah. Where you um, go through all your old clients and you kind of look at them and think of ways to uh, send them something, uh, an email or anything, just yeah. something ref- uh, where you can have a small have some small talk with them and remind them that you still exist. Yeah. Um, there's one thing that I always. Uh, do myself is when I've done uh, for at least for big clients if I've done a shoot uh, what I do is a couple months later I'll print out some small photos a stack of like small behind the scenes photos right. rejects and all that stuff just the little fun photos that you've right. gathered over the shoot and I just send them by mail right. with a handwritten letter uh, nice. thanking them for the job and everything and uh, just you know just saying uh, thank you and I you know, really enjoyed the work and here are some yeah. here are some photos that I have taken behind the scenes uh, and that's about it right and uh, it's these kind of small gestures I've noticed uh, that they do require some work of course but they yeah. really increase the chance of them uh, coming back to you for photography and because it shows that you care you care to do mm-hmm. a little bit more just uh not out of as per se out of uh because you have to because it's written in a contract yeah. or whatever it's just this little extra you do as yeah. a gift no that's actually good doing doing that that extra work that they don't mm-hmm. expect that's actually golden what we used to do as well but that's like that's very specific i think to like web hosting or web development right, yeah. or or creating a product that they're gonna have to work with mm-hmm. uh is offering service contracts Okay, so we did yeah. that anyway, right? We build a website. You kind of offer a service contract, which mm-hmm. is just a retainer. Right. Like they're paying 200 bucks or 500 bucks, like this small amount a month, just so if something breaks, mm-hmm. then we can spend one or two hours on it just fixing it. Right, yeah. So it's not for new features. It's not for design changes. It's just if something goes wrong or if they suddenly they get way more traffic and they need us to quickly skill up. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I'll just like one hour of updating the server oh, or right. just of moving to a different server or whatever. 
we'll offer that. So we're always in contact. And then if they haven't used that in a while, just tell them, hey, you haven't used our like anything on the service contract. Is there anything that we can do for you? Just small stuff that we can add or fix. That's good. Because yeah. that one hour of work every two months, mm -hmm. that might cost me like 50 bucks if I'm hiring someone to do right. it. But it'll make me the 600 bucks that I've that they're paying me yeah, in those exactly. three months. And they're not going to feel like, oh, they never do anything. We're never useful. If you force them to use you, uh -huh. like to, to, to have you spend some time on their product, they'll never feel bad for having you around, for yeah, having yeah, that yeah. service contract with you. Mm -hmm. You just need to make sure that they don't feel bad about you staying around and right. them paying you, right? Yeah, of course. So that's that's a part of it. But that I do like the idea of doing a little bit more, of reaching out with a little bit more than just an email or just a call. Uh-huh. And especially when you have a product where you're like, this is the main product. We also have like 800 other images that we're never <laughs> going to use. It's just pick out a couple, yeah. like the tier two ones that you weren't going to send, but are still good. Mm -hmm. And then just send those out. I think that's pretty valuable too. Definitely. Yeah. I send them out as physical mail though. Like there's physical prints, yeah, yeah, right? Smart. Yeah. Uh, it's never really intended for use because they're... No, but it's a reminder, right? Yeah. Look at all the fun we had. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Don't you want to have that again? Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's like there's so so many things you can do like uh, especially um, uh, with retaining it's always all a lot easier. Um, I think that like one thing I do wonder is uh, especially what you did with acquisition is whether mm. you had did you, whether you had a specific strategy behind it or was there literally not really just... no we were guessing okay, we were mostly yeah, guessing yeah. I mean we were also 19 so I like right. well, 19 20 21 so so we had no idea what we were really doing. Mm -hmm. um and also we weren't really researching it like acquisition oh, okay, was yeah. the last thing we really wanted to do but it is one of the more important things you but it is one do, of the right? most important things and uh, like we were doing it at a time where we had plenty of customers like okay, we, we didn't yeah. necessarily need new customers but mm -hmm. it, we thought that'd be a good way to like quickly get a couple small projects in. yeah 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 just you know to grow your portfolio to make some money to okay. grow out a little bit um, but we didn't really have a strategy for it, okay. which now obviously like after having worked um, with companies that use very strict scrum like methodologies and, right. and, yeah. and very strict management methodologies, uh, I would do it entirely differently. Like I would very, I would structure it very strictly okay, and e yeah, even yeah. like calling out to a client or reaching mm -hmm. out to a client, which I now like, I don't really have to do that because I have like one client that I just have running for a yeah. couple months and then small projects on the site that I'm always in contact with. Mm -hmm is structuring that too just saying you know the project ends at a certain date okay. and then on that day in your calendar just say okay two months from now or one month from now on this day i'm gonna call them or i'm gonna send them an email right, right. Just, so yeah, just yeah, schedule yeah. that ahead of time so when you look in your calendar on one day it'll be oh okay you know standard work hours i have to email that person <laughs> about that okay and then standard workouts yeah okay yeah. okay fair just enough. to just to make sure that everything stays like you always email within the first month. You always call within the first two months. You always send out a package within the first three months. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. It's like when you sign up to a website, they always send you that first email after a day. It's like, hey, uh, welcome to our product. And then after a week, it's like, hey, you haven't used our product yet. Dude, it's annoying. I, I literally had a moment, uh, a, a moment ago where uh, there was this website that sold kombucha it's not important but i filled in my email right right and uh i didn't even register an account but i got an email later hey we saw that you put this and this in the cart oh yeah it's still sitting here would you still like to like take a look at it i was just like i mean i do but Dude. the 60 dollars shipping cost is a little bit much right but those <laughs> like those emails are shockingly effective yeah yeah like just reminding people <laughs> 
that they're gonna be like that they did something on a website mm-hmm. and then stopped doing it, especially when they've already added to the shopping cart. There's no bigger like sign that someone <laughs> wants to buy something than them putting it in the shopping cart and then leaving your fucking website. The odds of them going back and going, you know what? I'm not as strong this time. Click buy. Right, yeah. It's huge. Definitely. Like if I... Amazon Prime did that to me, I would I would be broke at this point. I mean, we don't have the Amazon Prime uh, free shipping here. Wait, yeah, we, we do. do. Amazon Germany. Oh, dude, you're going to be broke at the end of this. Amazon Germany um, has the Amazon Prime free shipping to Holland. No way. It's not next day delivery. Okay, that's fair. It's the day after that, essentially. Oh, okay. If you order on Monday, you'll get it on Wednesday. Damn, that's good. Yeah, it's wow. bananas. Yeah. I didn't even know about this. I ordered my phone and like pretty much everything that I buy now is mm-hmm. coming from Amazon Prime because it's always cheaper than uh, but stuff to, here. Is, with Bolpencom, it's, it's pretty No, dude. Cheap. Amazon is still cheaper. Really? Yeah. Oh. And it's not it's not always huge amounts, mm-hmm. but it can be like 10 to 20 bucks on like a 200 okay, euro product. Yeah. So it's always going to be like 10%, which is pretty big. So. That's pretty good. Yeah. Huh. But now you're going to be broke. And you get Twitch Prime. I'll, I'll, st- man, you should get a Amazon Prime sponsor for the, right? for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, I wish it's probably doable. Oh yeah, <laughs> no, but uh, it, especially with stuff like the, the acquisition, um, there have been some things that I've learned over time which might be interesting to you. I mean, I'm not sure if you're ever interested in doing acquisition again. I might not be, but our listeners might be. I guess. Uh, have you ever heard of the uh, ADA method? A-I-D-A? A-I-D-A. Yes. Uh, no. It's basically a marketing strategy that was coined in, I think, the early 1900s by some guy. I early 1900s? It. Yes. Jesus. It's old. Damn. But in short, it stands for Attention, Interest, Desire, Action. Ah, okay. Uh, and base and the idea in short, and this is used a lot in phone calls, but also in business meets, um, is that, and in marketing strategies that span months, is that um, to get a customer, mm-hmm. you first need to grab their attention, of course. If mm-hmm. they're not looking at your email or opening your email yeah. or anything, you're not getting there. So, or first, if you're not even sending an email. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So first, you need to grab their attention with something that has them reading. Uh, and then you need to garner interest. So that's right. the second phase. The intention phase is very short and simple. In the interest phase, you need to get them to wonder what you're doing, you know, ask a little bit for the inquire. So what you, what usually involves in there is introducing yourself, say what you do. Um, and basically, sometimes you just ask a little question. You know you know how you have those products go, do you have backaches and all that kind of stuff, right? Do you breathe and drink water? <laughs> yeah. But those kind of things kind of, kind of make you go, oh, yeah, I do. But okay, tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> I, I do drink water. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you want people to be interested. So you kind of like need to get, get them to ask more, want more out of you. Yeah. And then what you do is you create desire, desire for your product, right? right? And a lot of people do this by stating the features, you know, this this laptop is this fast or this thing is that yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what I prefer and I think is a lot stronger is selling lifestyle. Really? Uh, selling a feeling, right? Yes. So, yeah. Essentially, this is going to make you feel this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because yeah, yeah. the thing is that uh, uh, if you say, oh, my God, my screen is 50 inch, it's 4K, whatever. Yeah. People okay. are not that No one cares. Yeah, exactly. No, we have the exact same thing, dude. If I can sell them a beautiful <laughs> JavaScript backend and, and it's going to be so fast, they're not going to feel a thi- like they're, they're not going to 
even understand what I'm trying to right? sell them. They're right? not going to feel that. If you can tell them in one click, save all your <laughs> whatever customer data to the cloud, suddenly it's like, oh, hey, that's good. Like that's mm-hmm. a that's I'll I'll be really quick. It'll right, yeah. help me. And uh, yeah. so what you basically try to sell is uh, you get them to desire your product by by selling feelings. So yeah. what I do with photography is mostly saying that. Um, I folk, uh, especially th- I do this with with individuals and direct to business because agencies are a lot more. Uh, they're more they're more like just they just want certain things, yeah. right? They they know what they want, so you don't have to sell a yeah, feeling or something. Yeah, it's pretty simple. Yeah. But you kind of you sell them that you're professional and that the shoot is not just about taking the photos, but you want to make sure that the day is going to be an amazing day for you and the client they're going to join you to the shoot they're going to see how much fun it is they're going to you're going to have fun while shooting and making sure yeah exactly make sure everyone is having a great time yeah uh you're having a laugh and you kind of you also have this part of like creating desire you also have to do in person a lot of times because you Mm. need to get them excited and it's a very it's a lot easier when they can get they meet you and you can make you know crack a couple of jokes, get them laughing. And as soon as they see that you can get them laughing, you yeah. tell them that, you know, you're taking them on the shoot, they'll know it'll be a good day as yeah. well. So you sell that. And then as soon as you have the desire, you convert that into an action, right? You convert right. them into the action of actually signing you for the job, getting right. you as a client. So that's kind of the general strategy of sales pitching. Right. Uh, it happens. I'm not, if you need, you should, um, if you ever get stopped by someone on the streets, yeah. Selling you for like a charity yeah. or whatever, you should like just Pay keep it, keep it that. in mind and see if they're following every single step. Yeah. 99% of the time, it's exactly what they're doing. I, I it's going to be hard because whenever I get stopped on the street by someone selling me something, it's a girl. I and- no, I always go, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, you know, I honestly, I, a lot of times I just kind of stop and listen. I don't anymore. I used to, but I always buy stuff that I don't need only to cancel it later. Maybe because they're doing this entire, all the steps really well. I just, at some point, I, I'm i not sure what it is, but I just feel guilty for not buying it. <laughs> I, I'm there for that long. They've done their whole pitch. It's so nice. They've definitely spent time practicing. I was like... I should buy this. It's only ten bucks. It's like I know I shouldn't. I'm gonna be stuck with it for years. Yeah. I still pay for our like the MPO, our national Oh wow. Like for our national T V oh, channels. I only I only donate to charities at this yeah. point. Yeah. Well that's sort of a charity. <laughs> yeah. Um but I still I still pay like five bucks a month to that because someone stopped me on the street. And I don't mind it, like I've been able mm-hmm. to stop it for a couple times. I'm like, you know what? No, I do think it's important that we have it. Yeah. But yeah no they're but i think they're definitely effective if you let them speak mm-hmm. and sometimes you meet a dude who's i i when we were still trying to sell like we were doing uh when i was working uh or heathman the, the company in estonia yeah 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 uh i was stopped on the street by by a guy who was selling us i think like a membership to some event thing where you can like you have one card and you can go to all these parks for right, free yeah right for like 30 bucks a month oh that's great um and he was really good. Like he was an incredible salesman. Right. So I told him, I was like, I don't necessarily need the product, but I do want your name and number because <laughs> we might need people for sales mm-hmm. and you're kind of amazing at it. Fair. But that's such a, like, I've always been very bad at sales, right? Yeah. Because I'm, I'm very bad at like uh, hyping something that right. I feel yeah. isn't hype worthy. I think it's also more difficult, I guess, with, 
programming? Well, with programming, it's mostly people know what they want and yeah. know what they need. Like, it's easy for me to come up with these amazing features and in the back of my mind go, that's eight hours, that's 12 hours, <laughs> that's 16 hours. That's, you know, I know how much I'm going to be making from selling them these features. Sure. And they can always say yes or no to them. Mm-hmm. And I'm good at that, right? I'm good at pitching but features you, and finding features. But do you also features. sell how much do those features make their life easier or make the companies So that's things the, that's the difficult part. It's hard for me to know how much impact a feature would have on them because I'm not inside of their business. Like, I don't know someone's business well enough to know how much this is going right, to help. Right. Like, we had, that, we had a VoIP company, right, mm-hmm. that we were building a platform for. Um, and one of the features they wanted was to let users configure their own forwards. Okay. So whenever you got a call, you could turn on a forward and it would call, it would go somewhere else. Right. Whatever, yeah. Right. It would redirect to somewhere else. They wanted to allow their users to do that. Okay. I didn't know how much of a feature that was. It was pretty simple to build, I think. Yeah. Um, it didn't seem that big. Like we didn't charge like, 200 hours for it. It, it, okay. was, it was relatively doable. But apparently for them, it was huge oh, okay. because they constantly had customers going, hey, I want a forward. Can you set up a forward? And then I have to set up a forward. I have to come out. Like, right, right. There's so much work involved for them. And then just building this one feature helped them a lot. Mm-hmm. We didn't pitch that concept to them. They just came like we were talking and I was like, don't you guys like, need a management platform for your customers? Wouldn't it be nice if they can do a bunch right, of this stuff yeah. themselves? And they started giving us ideas. Right. And we was like, OK, that we were like, OK, that's 40 okay, hours, okay. 60 hours, whatever. That's essentially how normally features go. And that's right. also why it's kind of, if you're not just pitching commercial websites, like if I if I call a lawyer, if I walk into a store, uh-huh. I can go, hey, I've seen your website. It's garbage. It's not working. Here's a better idea. But I'm not a web designer. Mm-hmm. I build applications, right? Yeah, I build yeah, platforms. Yeah, yeah. So for most of that, you're not going to really know what a customer that's, is going to get fair. most that's advantage fair. out of. I and get, that's I... why it's normally not pull but push. So they normally have an idea and they go to you yeah. to, to tell you I, what they want. I guess that makes this marketing strategy a little bit more difficult for you. But I guess in general, uh, they're a little bit more difficult to apply for something like programming. Uh, yeah. Well, where you're not selling one specific product. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm selling a programming service, sort of. I'm essentially saying, hey, if you need something built, I can build mm-hmm. it. It's now, hard for me to say, hey, I can build this right. for you because I don't here, know what that here's is. something I'm wondering. Uh, if you always had trouble with uh, acquisition, why have you never found people who could do the acquisition for you on commission? Yeah, so we tried. Um, we tried to hire someone who could do the cold calling and cold yeah, emailing yeah, yeah. for us. That didn't really work out. They were just okay. unreliable. Um, I mean... Did you pay them by the hour or did you just... No, it was commission. Okay, it was purely yeah, yeah, commission-based, yeah. so that didn't last very long. We didn't have the money to pay someone by hour. That was also a thing with like scaling is uh-huh. that at some point you need to scale out of just making enough to live mm-hmm. and taking everything out of your company. You need to put profit back into the company yeah, to yeah, pay yeah. more to put multiple people to grow, right? Uh, we weren't really doing that, so it was hard to grow that way. Right. Um, I think what also was a part of that is that client work, customer work, uh-huh. That's very difficult work. And I don't mean difficult as in it's it's technically difficult because it's not. It's very simple. But um, it's very nitpicky. Okay, yeah. Like someone who has a store or, or whatever and needs a website or a, a lawyer or a dentist right. or whatever and needs a website, they're always going to be very nitpicky about design. They always want things well, in a very specific way. With stuff like acquisition, what I uh, thought mostly was like if you get someone to do it, it's mostly about that the – that you pay them on a commission to just get to the part where you get the foot in the door. And then when you go on a yeah. meeting, that's when you yourself would go there yeah. 
to yeah, represent so, a company. Yeah. So for that for that work, um, for just selling websites, essentially not web systems, but uh-huh. websites, that would have been very doable. Right. Yeah. yeah. I I think that what I was what I was trying to say I think is that it was such nitpicky work that some people don't really want to be doing it. Oh. Okay. And then we got that you know the the VoIP business mm-hmm. that was much easier because we were just building a panel, so a dashboard right. essentially. We were building a tool okay. more than we were building a commercial website. And we kind of moved that way more right. than anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's like that's a whole different type of acquisition. And that's the type of acquisition that I'm in now, right? Where I build, I program, I don't design at all. No, exactly, exactly. So you're not you're not selling a full package. You're just doing a part of the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just here to fulfill that service and then okay. give it back to them and be done with it. And then obviously, it's you know, if they need more functions, I can do that later on. But essentially, I'm just they go. I need this. I go. Okay. Uh, that'll be this much money. Fair enough. And they pay me. So, hopefully. so what would your strategy then be if work would dry out for a while? Do you, um, have you ever thought about that or? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, a good way to get work. Yeah. Is mo- <laughs> find yourself, um, or or make sure that you, especially when you're when you're doing the exact type of programming that I'm doing, which is just you know I build web applications, mm-hmm. I build mobile applications, and I build web backends which is very, this is exactly what every startup right now wants, is yeah. someone who can do that, is find people who work with startups a lot. Okay, yeah. Who are always yeah. looking for developers. Right. And network with them. Or network with startup, like startup um, founders. Because uh, this is the nice thing about like startups. Everyone goes to these fucking conferences. Right. Like you can go to a meetup. I, if I wanted right now, I could open my phone and be in a meetup with other startup founders in this city in one hour and have like 30 people who all have this great idea and they need a developer. It's relatively okay. easy to be like, I'm an engineer. I can build that. Right. So that's that yeah, would yeah, be, yeah. that would be the way for me to do that. Um, and then a part of it, if you wanted to skill that, because you can't obviously be going to all these conferences constantly you actually no, have to do true. the work that's the difficulty balance of like i need to actually do work that mm-hmm. i'm getting paid for it but i also need to make sure that i have a next client um is that you would scale it to a point where you don't do that anymore or you only do that right okay so you're the guy who goes to these conferences yeah, and you have yeah, a yeah. team who builds it yeah or if you get enough brand awareness you can grow your company to a point where you are the person that people go to for mm-hmm. this type of development and they tell each other about how good you are as a company, right? Okay, yeah. And that's, that's much that's... easier if you have a company because then you can just keep taking clients. But if I have a client already, most of the time I can't take another client. I'm mostly doing no, one true. client that's at fair. a time because otherwise, why wouldn't I be spending more time on that client, right? No, exactly. I do wonder then, like like for me at least, uh, I plan days where I'm doing acquisition, right? right. So it's mostly so I don't uh, randomly start doing something else during the day while I'm doing other right. kind of work. Just to have something yeah. on your list that needs to get done. Yeah, and it's yeah. Very, it's a lot easier to dedicate a full day to an acquisition and just get that done. And mm-hmm. you, I just feel like you're more efficient. But yeah, um, no, I would agree. I'm just wondering, like, with, with you then, if if you if if work were to, were to dry out right mm-hmm. would you also just plan it in like a day of acquisition or would you spread it more yeah probably i would do it i probably wouldn't do like a day a week because okay, there's no, no point for enough. me yeah i probably do twice a month maybe once a month okay. or twice a month because you don't need to do that much right to to get work as an engineer and st- even then if if yeah. work wouldn't fly to me magically uh-huh. uh even then it would probably not be too difficult to go out there and get it okay 
I do have to say that we don't really live in a city where where startup and or where where engineers and and startup engineers specifically are very useful. Uh-huh. I would have to go to like Amsterdam or to go to London. Yeah, I mean, you can always call them very nervously and do your pitch in nine seconds. Yeah, I'm not sure that's going to work. <laughs> I don't have their numbers yet. No, but for example, if you go to London, um, this is I have a buddy who lives in London uh, and, yeah. and works there. And he told me that literally if you walk down the street with like a Node.js shirt on, yeah, you'll have someone trying to hire you. Jeez, that's ridiculous. That's how many, like, that's how wanted developers are right mm-hmm. now. That's how how badly people want, especially JavaScript developers. So that's, that's like, fair. I don't think the work's gonna dry up. If it does dry up, all you have to do really is get yourself in front of the right people. Yeah, and they'll always they'll, they'll always want a developer. And for developers, like for photographers, you have styles. For developers, mm-hmm. is does it work? Yeah, cool. That's fair. I mean, right? the the interesting thing about photography as well is it very much uh you notice that photography is very much ranks in like price brackets sort of like you know oh, yeah. your photographer in a certain bracket and i'm not saying that it can't change but the the strategy that you have behind it and the work you do behind it is very different like there's this there are photographers literally that for one job they ask fifty thousand right. dollars to do a shoot um and the kind of photography that they do is not isn't necessarily very different from someone who's cheaper but it's uh how do i say this there's there's a level of professionality and knowing the business well enough and to uh, the ability to constantly deliver that same level of result yeah that allows you to be in that bracket yeah and reliability yeah exactly and to get to that point uh if as soon as you get to that point it's very similar i guess to what you have is where a lot of times people approach you for a job more than you have to do acquisition anymore because yeah. you're at a level where sort of the, the demand for you is yeah. higher than you have to like, yeah. than that you have to look for the quick acquisition yeah. to get there. Uh, the tough part is getting there mostly. Like I'm not at that level. I'll be honest. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, obviously it depends on the business because if you were to learn JavaScript, you would like a junior and ja- JavaScript developer would fall into the exact right. same yeah. world that I am in just a different type of job, but they would still get the junior developer jobs. Um, But yeah, making sure that you have a reputation to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. um, And that's just doing good work constantly, you know, and advertising your good work too. Mm Because it's very easy for me to not say anything about my work and to not let anyone know that I'm a developer, as I've done for a while, because I just didn't feel like talking about it and I didn't want new clients. Yeah. It's also very easy to say, oh, yeah, no, I'm a, so- a freelance software engineer. I make web applications, make mobile applications. If you know anyone, like even if you just do that for most of your social interactions, you might come off a little bit like forward. But people uh-huh. like that, too, especially in Holland. That's fair. People yeah. kind of like it if you're direct and you're just, you know, I'm here to just I'm on my grind. I need customers. So this is what I do. Mm-hmm. Let me know if you know anyone. Yeah, that's fair. That's and fair. then business cards might be getting old, man. Like people no. might not be using them much anymore, but they work. I, still. I still think business cards are amazing. Like every time uh, I I talk to someone interesting, I can just give them my card. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of times they don't answer. They don't uh, send you a mail. But I mean, as soon as they do, they've already met you. You have rapport, and you just yeah. you just get there a lot quicker. Yeah, and you're always in their wallet. Yeah. Like the, the thing is. If if I tell you that I'm a software engineer and then we don't see each other anymore, you're, you're not going to remember my name mm-hmm. or my website or my phone number. If I'm in your wallet and someone goes, hey, do you know a software engineer? You're like, hey, that's coincidence here. Like, <laughs> it gives you a super crumped up. <laughs> yeah, but whatever, right? As long as my name's on there and, and they that's can call true. me or they can contact me, that that's works. True. It's just to be there. 
Do you want to know a nice trick that I learned from uh, business consultants and, and bankers? Yeah. And lawyers? Yeah. If they get a business card from someone and they have a conversation, as soon as that person leaves, they grab a pen and on the back of the business card, write something personal about that oh, person. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. has a son who has leukemia, mm -hmm. whatever, right? That's, Jeez, that's, that's, a, <laughs> that's a tad dark. Okay. I have been watching a lot of documentaries. <laughs> um, but, you know, writes that or, uh -huh. or, or whatever, right? Uh, just got married. Yeah, yeah. And then next time they're going to see that person, they quickly go, oh, right. And they start going, hey, Tom, how's your son? Right. Bam. Right. And that's like this immediate, like you smart. come across as so interested uh -huh. and so open while you've just written something down. It's, you know, it's always very interesting about uh, acquisition, marketing and all that kind of stuff, like looking for a job. So much of it feels like you're trying to manipulate someone. Right. <laughs> right. You're just trying to get them to do what you want them right? to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It feels a little bit dishonest. I, I've learned time. so many tricks over the, over the years sort of to, to get there in a way. And it all feels like you're doing this kind of psychological trick to yeah. get someone to say yes or to make someone like you more because there's so many things, right? Uh, as an example, there's this thing where if you if you ask for someone for a favor, yeah, uh, and I mean, most people are likely, it can be a small favor, right? Yeah. But most people, as soon as they say yes to that, they like you more. Yeah. They like you more yeah. because they've helped you, not yeah. because you've helped them. Isn't that, there's a story about Lincoln, uh, Abraham Lincoln, and this dude that he really hated. Uh -huh. um, and or, and that dude really hated him too. And then he gave that dude a book, okay, just to make himself like that guy more. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Which is like a good, like a good strategy. It's like I really don't like this guy, so I'm gonna use this this technique on myself. I'm gonna help him. I'm gonna give him something. I'm gonna be nice to him. Oh, hey, suddenly it's not that bad. That's crazy. Right. Uh... I also like I like the strategy of asking for a lot. Like for something that's really big and then settling for something smaller while yeah. the smaller thing is always what you wanted. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, love I that. mean, that's that's generally a strategy for like pricing yourself as well, yeah. right? You ask a lot more than... Yeah. Uh, and, okay, for you, I'll do a 30% discount. Hey, we're back on my normal hours. And then rate. sometimes you have that thing where you ask a lot more than you think it is and they just say yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a, that's just, a good day. Right? That's a good day. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I've done that a lot with clients as well. Uh, if you talk about pricing... Um, I've I've had it at a certain point where I just wanted to know what my limit is in terms of range. So every time like someone asks for a similar job as a previous job I've done before, I just ask like a, a little bit more than the yeah. job before. And eventually you're just going to hear no. I did that with salary requirements right. when I was looking for, <laughs> for a job after I quit my previous job. Uh -huh. I got a job offer and they asked me, what do you want to make? And I said, well, whatever, 60K. Uh -huh. like, okay, interesting. And then and then they came back. It's like, yes, okay, we can hire you for that. Like, okay, all right. And then the next job offer was like, how much do you need? 70K. <laughs> and it just kept going up until like two or three people said, okay, that's too much for us. Right? Like, yeah, okay, exactly. now I know my limit. <laughs> I know what I'm worth here. But that's a, I think that's a good thing to do as well. I mean, it's good to, like, pricing yourself is hard, man. Right, yeah. Because to you, but for you, it's like, okay, what do I want to make? Like, I need this much to live per hour and then it'd be nice to make this much extra. It's like, that doesn't really I think, get you anywhere. I think a lot of people underestimate how much they need to charge Yes, a lot. Also, people think, like, I think the average in Holland for, like, a, a freelancer is 75 euros an hour, which sure. sounds like a lot. What they don't or what people don't think about uh -huh. is acquisition Yeah, costs a lot of time. Definitely. You don't make any money from it. You don't get any of the insurance you would get from working for someone. Mm -hmm. You don't get your holiday money. Mm -hmm. You don't get a bonus. So it's all this stuff that makes it seem 
like if you if you ignore all that then yes it's a lot of money yeah but all of that stuff suddenly you're like okay it's 75 bucks an hour but then that has to compensate for the hours that i'm not working it has to compensate for me taking a holiday if i go on a holiday i get nothing uh, even worse uh, i've had that when you go on a holiday and you come back and you haven't done any acquisition yeah then you, you have, have to suddenly still do that i've had i just came back from china i had two weeks where i wasn't doing all that much there you go and yeah. um, you know you need you need a bit of a buffer. If you don't, you uh, you just run into trouble, like cash flow, anything. I'm everything. going to London in January for two weeks, and I have a client now that is that is just paying me per month. Uh-huh. I have no idea how I'm going to do that because they have they they want me to do the work. They want to keep paying yeah. me to do the work. I'm not going to have time to do the work. Just 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 uh, outsource it. <laughs> I've been considering it, but I can't. No, but right. but, but seriously, if you as a freelancer, if you go on holiday, or if, worse, if you get sick, mm-hmm. you just don't make any money. Yeah, imagine that. I just it came back stops. from China and I got sick. Yeah. So, it, but it just stops. Yeah. Your income just stops. So you need to make a certain amount to build up a buffer in order Definitely. for you to take those hits, right? Definitely. And I think a lot of freelancers have that issue, and I've had that issue too, where I was like, I can pay my rent this month, and then you're like, oh no, a client is not there's, paying me. There's another option that we have in the Netherlands as well, is the, uh, man, I don't know what it's called in English, but be, uh, Arbeidsongeschiktheid. Oh, dude, I don't know. Exactly. Some insurance for if you get there, sick. There's, basically, there's an ins- insurance in the Netherlands that you have that in case you get sick or unable to work, you get yeah. paid out your normal monthly yeah. salary. Yeah. Uh, it is, I think, 700 euros per quarter. Yeah. So it isn't exactly cheap, but for no. 2,800 euros a year, you basically get insured for any kind of like car accident or anything else yeah. that stops you from being able to work uh, and that you still get paid out. I mean, yeah. it's something that I think a lot more freelancers should get. I don't have it. I don't have it either. And I think I should have it. But, you know, I mean, eventually you run into so many, so many insurances and other yeah. things you have to pay as a freelancer that you have to. Mm-hmm. make choices no that's absolutely true but i i think that's where pricing becomes so difficult because yeah. there's a lot of things that you're not thinking about when you price yourself yeah, yeah, yeah. so for me too it was like my hourly rate or my daily rate seems mm-hmm. insane it seems like a lot of money mm-hmm. but there's a lot of things that people aren't thinking about yeah. right the only thing a client is going to think about is is that worth it to me right yeah yeah is paying this guy x amount of money every day is that going to pay back in the long run maybe yes maybe mm-hmm. no if not then they're not going to hire me. For me, I have to think, okay, A, am I charging, am I not charging too much mm-hmm. that the client's not going to want me? Because I still yeah. need to, I still need to deliver. Yeah. But then uh, I'm a freelancer, so I need to make a, you know, I need to cover all those things that we just spoke mm-hmm. about. I need to be, like, I, my skills are competitive, so I'm I'm at that top range yeah. of, of this freelance market as far as my skills go. So I should be charging more because I don't really want the really cheap clients. Mm-hmm. And my time is pretty valuable, so my acquisition time too. If I get a, if I spend ten hours getting a client that's gonna pay me a hundred grand, that's worth a lot more than the ten hours I spend getting ten grand or so, five grand or whatever, right? Here's something I'm wondering, because uh, this is something I do sometimes as well. Um, do you, when you take uh, your hourly rate into consideration, right? Yeah. Do you take into consideration how much you would enjoy that project? Oh, absolutely. Val- yeah. Yeah, so I've learned not to take into consideration what the actual work is. Yeah. So if I'm doing back-end development versus app development, okay, yeah. I don't take that into consideration because I can probably find a client to do the most expensive thing. Okay. 
I do take in. I, I there's two things that adjust my price. Yeah, and that's will I enjoy doing it? Okay, if yeah. it's boring back end work, I almost double or boring like front end work. I double my right, my, yeah, my fee because yeah, exactly. I don't want to be doing that. Exactly. I will hate that time doing it. So you better pay me a lot. And two is the type of company I'm doing it for. Mm-hmm. So I have different pricing for like a good cause. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So if if green, well, not Greenpeace, but if a small <laughs> cause would come up to me, it's like hey, we need some software written. I'd lower my right, my, yeah. my daily rate. Yeah. Like if I don't have an hourly rate though, because okay, I fair. don't work with hours. I work with days. Mm-hmm. So if you hire me for two hours, it's going to cost you the same as if you hire. Oh me no! For yeah, eight that's hours. the same with photography. Uh, yeah. Generally speaking. I work with the half day rates mostly right. because sometimes shoots just don't last a day. Right. Uh, but generally, generally speaking, uh, photographers charge half. Uh, basic. Okay, so it's a bit tough to say. Generally speaking, you charge a half day, right? Mm-hmm. No matter how long the shoot is, uh, and, and if it goes over the half day, you charge a full day, and then you have a sort of hourly hourly rate that you keep in mind. You just take your half day rate, divide by four, and for any travel time, you just charge half of that. Right. Basically, okay. So yeah. travel travel time is is I don't really have travel time. Like uh, if I have to fly to another country or travel to another country, mm-hmm. that's a day gone. You chav- tra- you just ch- uh, charge half a day rate for your travel time because you can't right. work while you're yeah. traveling. That's do the you, idea. Do you charge for meetings? Uh no, I don't. Okay. I do. Yeah? Yeah. It's... Not for acquisition meetings. So pre okay, pre yeah. work oh, meetings okay, I don't charge right, for. Yeah. If they want a meeting during the development or after the development, I absolutely charge it. I generally which it just falls into their days. If I tell enough. them they, this is going to take me ten days and mm-hmm. they want me in meetings for a day, go okay, then it's eleven days. Right. Yeah. I mean, I generally speaking, I don't charge for meetings, especially acquisition meetings, because those. Yeah. No. Those are for you. Yeah. Yeah. But those are those are part of the price already. Uh, but it really depends on how often they want to meet. Like, if it's just a meeting, uh, to go through the final steps, I generally don't. Uh, it's usually more as a courtesy because you don't sure. want to add so many extra stuff to your list items no and i I don't normally i just say Mm -hmm. like if you're gonna invite me to a meeting i just warn them okay that's more time that i spent not developing yeah it's time that i'm putting on you you're paying Mm -hmm. for that time because i can't be doing other anything that you want me to do Mm -hmm. that doesn't allow me to do work for other people is going to cost you money. Uh, although i can imagine that you have to do a lot more meetings than i have to do Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, especially when you create tools that have to work with other tools. Right. You do integration meetings with their developers, okay. which is great for me because you sit around for a whole day just like sort of talking to developers. You charge your full day rate. Right, yeah. But it becomes expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, generally speaking, when I do what I have is like I'll have a meeting before the shoot and then maybe a meeting after the shoot, but that's about it, right? Right, that's okay. two meetings and that's it. And yeah. so that's not necessarily a big deal when you're working with a... Yeah. Uh, higher budget client like if it's a low budget client you know you can be a bit more nitpicky or you put it into your rate and everything yeah uh but with a higher end client you just sort of absorb the cost it's like yeah. um what i use what i usually do as well if it's a bigger shoot um like you charge for for food or catering if that's necessary of course but what i usually use i take that money and i just invite people for dinner after the shoot right it gets your client happy because yeah. they are treated for quote unquote treated for dinner yeah. because they're paying for it actually, yeah. um, and it just ensures that everybody ends the day happy and and better off than right if you yeah, just send everyone home that. right yeah I don't it's, have to do that it's stuff like that and there are a lot of things uh, with photography you have to keep in mind uh, to keep. Like I guess the most important thing with stuff like that is just client relationship. You need to keep yeah. that 
at the as the highest regard. Yeah. Second to quality, I'm not sure if I put client relationship above quality of work or the other I wouldn't. way around. I, I'm I'm quality is my absolute number one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Client relationship on number two then. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. As far as work goes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't. I mean, I obviously don't do dinner with clients unless they ask me to. I'm not going to mm-hmm. invite them to mm-hmm. dinner, but I'll grab a drink with them after, like. So sometimes you have these integration days or meetings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Normally, I try to schedule them late in the day at like 4 p.m. So it's from 4 to 5 because mm-hmm. they'll want to leave the office after that. So you grab a beer with them, right? Right, yeah. And that helps with customer relations or relations as well because you're just talking as just regular guys, but they have a more personal connection with that's you. That's good. Yeah, Which that's feels, good. again, feels Definitely. very manipulative. <laughs> but it but it does absolutely help to have that personal connection. Mm-hmm. Also, when they want something that you're not going to be able to do for them for the same price yeah. or that's not going to be part of the package, you can go to that person and say, right. look, you yeah. understand, you know, it's going to cost me extra time mm-hmm. and it wasn't scoped in- initially, so I'm not going to be able to do it. Yeah, I can charge you. And then sometimes if you really like a client, I'll be like, I charge you and I can charge you a little less. Right? It's going to be an extra day. And mm-hmm. instead of my normal rate, I'll give you a 20% discount right. on it. Yeah. But then that has to be the only thing, right? I do. Wonder, you can be like, that nice. What do you? I'm not sure if you remember a specific thing, but do you remember? Have you? Do you have any uh, specific things where you can remember that you did something that felt very uh, manipulative, psych- psychologically, or something during a meeting or with pricing or whatever? Um, yeah, with with uh, not manipulative. I felt I felt that I was doing something that was unfair to the client. Okay. More than once. Where I was like, ah, I'm doing this purely for for my own gain. Right. Like I'm doing this just to make more money. I don't have to do this. I'm fine. Like charging more for a client just because I don't like them much. Okay. Where yeah, I'm, where I'm like, that's eh, a little unfair. I don't really work with you personally. I'm just building a tool for you. I do think that working for a client that you don't like working for as much and charging more for it makes sense. Just, yeah, it just it, felt unfair. I was like, it's like, like they weren't being mean. It's just, ah, okay. I just don't like your personality. I just don't enjoy spending time right. with you, which is not on you necessarily. That's just how you are. And you have a specific, you know, you're, you are a very specific person. I am a very specific mm-hmm. person. We just don't gel well. I felt bad for charging more, but on the other hand, I was like, yeah, but I'm going to spend time around them. And the more I, or the, the, the more I enjoy that time, the more willing I am to charge less. Right. Yeah. And if I'm not going to enjoy that time, it better be worth it for right. me. But not like some little trick to get people convinced of, about your pricing or anything like that, or necessarily. No, I mean obviously back in the day, like something that I've always hated is SEO agencies, and oh, obviously okay. we used to do that a little bit. But I hate them not because the work or 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 SEO is bad. Uh, I hate that mostly because they don't really do anything. Right. So most of these web agencies. So, so very quick introduction into SEO, search engine optimization. You make people go higher in Google. So it, on the first page or on the first rank when you Google for a certain yeah. term, right? So how it normally works is you build a website. Okay. We build mm-hmm. a website. Website done. You do SEO on it. So you improve the website. So Google has an easier time ranking yeah. it higher. Yeah. What people think is, okay, boom, it's improved. Now it's going to go to number three or number four and it'll stay there. It's not how it used to work. You improve it. It goes to maybe 10. Mm-hmm. And then a month later, it'll be on eight. And then a month later, it'll be on six. Right. Even without changing much. Maybe you add some content, but okay, just yeah. without changing much. Because links come in, links go out. Yeah, so, yeah, you yeah. know. So that's like organically, it grows anyway. 
But so, you just keep charging them for it? or So what people do and what we did too. Yeah. I mean, we, we still did a lot of work. So we still wrote articles. We still did social media marketing. We still linked. We still talked to other businesses in the, in, in, in the industry. Yeah. But what a lot of people do is it's number 10 now. We don't have to work for another three months because it's going right. to grow organically anyway. And all they do is they print out statistics from one tool and send it automatically. Right. And that's all they do. And you're paying like 400 or 500 bucks a month for that, which might not be a lot of money, but you're still siphoning away money from a company. That's fair. That's fair. And you're not doing anything for it. And that I, I don't like. That's also why I just, I, whenever someone offers SEO services, uh-huh. I'm very specific on what I want from them. It's like, okay, you can offer me SEO services and that's fine. But before you do anything, before every month that mm-hmm. we're going to ch- like hire you, you're going to tell me exactly we're going to do that month. And then at oh, the okay. end of the month, I want proof that you've done it. Okay. Because I know what SEO is. I know how it works. So if they can show me that, I can sort of track, okay, yeah, this was worth the money. If they yeah, come yeah. back and they go, well, you went up in rank. I was like, okay, prove that that's you. Prove right, that you right. had something to do with it and that we're paying you for a good reason. Okay. But that's, yeah, it's not, it, it wasn't unfair necessarily. It wasn't, I didn't feel like I was cheating anyone, mm-hmm. but it still feels a little iffy because sometimes we did a little less work. Sometimes we did a little more. I mean, I do that for clients too. When someone is paying me per month mm-hmm. as a client, some months I work really hard and some yeah. months I don't work so yeah, hard, yeah. but those tend to sort of level each other out. So f- for my current client, this month has been an absolute disaster. Like I've worked <laughs> my ass off for this client this uh-huh. month just to get stuff fixed because they wanted to implement something that was very hard to implement. And I've worked my ass off trying to get it done. Yeah. Last month, didn't do that much. Just Fair didn't enough. do that Fair much. Fair enough. But this month, well, I mean, you know, if you if sometimes you work twenty hours, sometimes you work sixty, you sort of yeah, it balances the, out to the to more. the forty hours a week. That's very interesting, though. Like for me, you know, with photography, it's always like, uh, it's because you have this one client now where you're you're like doing work every single month. Yeah. Uh, on yeah. Repeat. Yeah. Well, um, it's it's one of my easiest clients. I've ever right. Had, that's yeah. fair. Also, because they tell me this is the budget, and I go, okay, this is what I can do that month. Mm. And they go, okay. Because with photography, it's very much like, you know, this is one assignment and that's about all I do. And there's yeah. a start and an end. So you can't really have a month necessarily where you do more work or less work for that client. It's right. more just like you just get it done. Yeah. All my work happens behind my computer at home. Mostly. Yeah, exactly. I like, do actually one other thing. Sorry. Yeah? I do when someone wants me in the office to work, mm-hmm. I don't charge them more for that time. But I do tell them that that time is less productive. That's fair. Because it is. <laughs> it's just going to like if I do eight hours in an office. I could have done four hours at home and been the exact, like have done the exact same amount of work. Right, right. Yeah, I guess. I mean, uh, the, the the one advantage, I guess, of, of like having an office and being there sometimes is that at least you get that personal connection, I guess. If you if you're actually have to work as a team. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it all depends on the, the scope of the work and the type of work. Yeah. Uh, with photography as well, like I don't necessarily go to another place to do the editing. I kind of just do it on my time at home. In right. my underwear. Right, of course. That's that's you have ma- to do editing in your underwear. I know. I have to do programming in my bathrobe. <laughs> <laughs> I kinda do. <laughs> no, but it, it is kind of like as a freelancer, you you'd be shocked at there's two things that I'm shocked at. They're both kind of the same thing. I'm shocked at how many like normal things go out the window as soon as you're only working from home. You're like, I'm not going to go outside today. I'm not going to shower. I'm going to sit in my bathrobe in my underwear oh, and no, do but work. I, I hate that. Like, Okay, so I do have days where I stay at home and I yeah. just, I'm only at home doing editing, watching TV, and getting my work done. But I need to get out every like 
two or three, like at the latest three days. Because if not, I feel oh, yeah. like a hermit. Oh no, it's once. Yeah, I, I can't. If I've been inside an entire day, the next day I need to go do lunch yeah, outside, right? right? But on the day that I'm not outside. I'm a mess. Like <laughs> I do a lot of work for my bed. I just wake up. I'm like, I don't have to get out of bed. I just grab my laptop and start working in my bed. Man, I'm so happy. I at least get out of my bed. I, I've had days where I was like, where I woke up at eight and I was like, Oh, I'm not tired anymore. All right. I'm going to work. And then got out of bed at two. I'm like, all right, I'm kind of done Jeez. working now. <laughs> like, I've sort of done the work that I needed to do. I've done my do six you, hours. Do you not and... fall asleep then working in your bed? No, 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 no. Cause it's, it's, uh, it's pretty focused work still. Okay. It's actually nice because you're completely relaxed. I won't. Be and you're just your mind is just on. I won't be able to do it. My bed is where I sleep. Yeah. And have sex. Yeah, my bed is yeah also where I work. So no, oh man. But for me, it is. It's just nice to 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 be able That's... to be that relaxed and have that comfort and just you know be able to to really focus. And because you immediately wake up and start working, you're so fresh. Your mind is so fresh. You haven't had all those distractions yet. Right. The only disadvantage I have when I do that. Is that suddenly it's two p.m. and I haven't had food yet, right? Yeah. So suddenly you eat lunch or breakfast really late, and like your entire schedule messes up. But those are pretty productive hours. What I'm also surprised at is that after I do that for a day, the next day I have to I have to wake up early, I have to shower, I have mm -hmm. to put on nice clothes, I have to like, I have to feel and look really good just to make up for how disgusting I felt the day before. Oh, I've I've probably done worse. I've had days where I went like a week where I went a couple of days like just working at home. And then you kind of just forget about things, right? Oh, shit, I have to do groceries and my laundry and everything. And oh, yeah. You kind of just forget about it because you're working on the work. And if it's a large project, you just... Yeah. That's basically what you're focused on. And at the end of it, you kind of go and go... You just stand up and look around and you just wonder... Right. I turned the place into a mess. Yep. <laughs> that's when my cleaning lady comes. <laughs> and I go outside for two hours or four hours and she cleans the entire place. And I come back and I'm like, oh, I did a good thing today. The life of a freelancer. It is actually... the. Like, so, so I've always looked or tried to look for structure a little bit. So mm -hmm. that's why when I was freelancing, I had my own office, for example. Right, yeah. An, an own office does help midgetate. Yeah, to, to, uh, yeah to, to a certain extent, you do have stuff to go there. Just having the office, I've learned, <laughs> doesn't do much. Yeah, but you didn't go to the office. No, I had the office, though. I was just never there. I was that's, always working here. It that's just, just you. Oh, that's just me. But that's, that's I think, something that as a freelancer, you kind of mm -hmm. have to... It feels very unstructured. I can work whenever I want. Right. It doesn't really work for most people. Mm -hmm. I think waking up early, starting at nine, done at five is still the way to go for most people. For most, yeah, definitely. I understand also for some creative work. And also for me, like there there are days where I start working at seven or 8 p.m. Mm -hmm. and I work till three or four. Right, yeah. Because that's just like I if don't feel it flow, all day right? and then and then suddenly I'm like oh I really feel like building yeah, something yeah, now yeah. and then you get in that flow and you just work until you can't the, the flow is one of those things that is like the most amazing thing and the most time it's crunchingly so... oh man like yeah. I'm not I'm not sure if 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 uh if like the people listening have ever had it but like if you ever get properly get into the zone, into the flow, you just start working and all of a sudden it's eight hours later and you're kind of going, well, I'm a little bit hungry, but yeah. I'm, I'm good. I can Yeah. You still go. Yeah. Yeah. And then suddenly, you know, the day's over and it's like you've played Civilization Five all night. Stuff yeah. Like that. No, it feels really good. But that's my favorite. That's my favorite part about freelancing is that you you have these just this surge of, of energy and productivity where suddenly you, you're king of the world and you're doing everything. And then you look back on it when you're done, you're like, 
damn, I'm good at this. But then like, you have those days shit. where you really have to be disciplined and just do it. And yeah. you, it's, it's just, don't you, do you, don't you have, ever have those moments where you really don't feel like doing it, but you just know that you have to. Oh, constantly. Sit behind it, get it done. Because if you don't, it's going to sit there. Yeah. So a nice thing that I've noticed is that the hardest thing for me yeah. uh, when freelancing is getting up early. Okay. Yeah. Not fair. deciding, you know, I don't have to get out of bed now. I can just sleep mm-hmm. and turning around and then sleeping for four more hours and waking up at 12. <laughs> um, getting up early is very hard and starting work. Those, starting, are, the, yeah, those are the most difficult things. Once I'm difficult. in, once I'm doing my work, I've done it for so long. I've done it so often that after like 45 minutes, I'm in. Right. I'm yeah. just, I'm doing it and it's fine and mm-hmm. I can do it for eight hours and it's good. And then once you get lunch, mm-hmm. you go out and then restarting. Those right, are like, those right, are the yeah. hardest things for me is just getting from that position of I'm comfortable and free. I don't care anymore to, but I need to sit down and I need to work. I, I do know. Uh, no, you're completely, yeah, you're completely right. Uh, I do notice that there's one, one way that helps a lot for me, at least I'm not sure if it does for you. It's putting yourself in a position where you're accountable for the work you have to do a little bit more. Yeah. So if I say like go to Filtro, which is a cafe mm-hmm. uh, where like a lot of creative people are, but if I go there to work, uh, I am less distracted by potentially gaming or whatever. And I feel more on the spot of having to work. If other right. people around me are working, I am more likely to be working. Right. Yeah. And I'm not sure if you have that with programming as well. Very or? specifically not at Filtro because every, <laughs> because <laughs> right. everyone's creative. Oh, right. And right. I am very much not when I'm working. Like, That's I think right. I am normally, but I'm not when I'm working. It's right. just yeah. so... Like, what spikes my creativity is other people, right? Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. I'm When I'm doing something that requires that creativity, it's nice to have other people around to take some of that energy and to interact yeah, yeah, and yeah. to get some views on it. For programming... I just need to really sit down, focus, and write. Also, right. because like 80% of it, it, I don't have to think for it much. Mm-hmm. But then you get distracted by things and you lose all focus. Right, right, right. Right? So I can easily do most of my work while watching TV or mm-hmm. while listening to music or not listening to podcasts because then I don't notice the podcast anymore. But listening to music or watching TV, it's just that as soon as it's something that really requires my attention, I lose my focus on work entirely. Okay, okay. So not filter specifically, but there are many places where I go to sit down and work because I know that other people are working right, and it yeah. feels good to be part of that when yeah, you're exactly. like, okay, we're all here. We're all doing the same thing. It's cool. That's also why I kind of like if you get a shared uh, space in an office, mm-hmm. so you just get a seat in an office. Oh yeah. That helps too. Cause you come in, everyone's working, you know, you know, definitely, you're there. Definitely. And also on days where you're not there, you're like, oh fuck, they're there. I'm not doing it. And yeah. that's good too. It's nice to be around people that are working. Yeah, 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 exactly. I considered, uh, I bought the domain name actually, I considered uh, building or, or setting up a cafe that is like a programming cafe. Yeah. Where everyone who comes there is essentially a programmer. Mm-hmm. So whenever you come in, people are working, sit down and work, right? Okay. So it's it's very much that exact where you, where you feel like I'm there, people are working, so I feel like working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly that that you're trying to introduce. So there's not, it's it, it won't be like the most gezellig cafe people won't be talking much to each other people Uh won't be having too much fun but it's a nice place to go and work for freelance developers that's kind of what i'm trying to create because starbucks for example is that for a lot of people right they go there to write their manuscript or or to 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 uh, to code i really dislike starbucks but why because 
if I want a shot of sugar in some mud, I'll just pour sugar in my but mud. St- Starbucks is very customizable, though. You don't necessarily have to get a no, but cup I, of sugar in mud. See, the thing is, I don't like most of what they serve, and I tend to not like the environment much. Right, okay. What I do like, that's, for example, why I like Filtro. Great coffee, great mm-hmm. tea, which mm-hmm. is mostly what I eat. Great food. And a pretty, like, a good atmosphere. Like, even if there's no one there, good atmosphere. Like, it's a nice, you know, it's nice and bright. It's it's bright colors. It's bright people. It's nice. Um, And I don't, I just don't have it with Starbucks. So, I'd like to set up, and also, I would like to set up something where, like, you come and, oh, shit, I forgot my charger. It's like, (laughs) you can borrow the the cafe's charger. Mm -hmm. Or if you need a screen, we have screens that you can work on. I was thinking of something similar to that, but then more for creatives. But then, just like a photo studio. It's photo studio office combination. Yeah. But it's... uh, Let's rent an... No. (laughs) It's it's a bit tougher to set up, I guess. Uh, Yeah. But, like, I I thought about it, getting potentially getting an office just to make things easier. Yeah. But it's always, like, you know, you you have to think of, like, do I want the extra costs and everything? Well, I've also considered that setting up an office with one or two other freelancers. Right. Because I think a lot of freelancers feel that way, that they're more effective when there are other, like, freelancers around that are also working. And doing that, um, but the extra cost is a problem and the longevity of it is a problem because mm-hmm. I am very unlikely to keep freelance or stay stay or to stay active as a freelancer for the next six months, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you're going to be renting an office, you kind of have to know that you're going to be there for no, a couple months. No, exactly, exactly. That's true. All right. I think uh, we've reached our uh, natural conclusion. Yeah. Uh, after an hour and 20 minutes in. Um. Thank you for being here. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for doing this. To our listeners, thank you for listening. If you've made it this far, congratulations. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll be back in two weeks. It w- there was a little break. I wasn't I wasn't here for three weeks, or we weren't online for three weeks. Um, I'm going to blame Thanksgiving. Cause, uh, yeah. Because why not? Sure, yes. How right? was your turkey? It was uh, dry, like all turkey is. Um <laughs> It's a dry meat. We should we should go for chicken. Never mind. Wow. Um, yeah. No. So thank you for listening. Hopefully, uh, before the end of the year, we'll have an interview with a DJ. We'll have an interview with an ex YouTuber who is now directing a documentary, and we might have an interview with a producer of rap music. Isn't that cool? Goodbye. Bye.